Welcome to Moneyline. I'm Matt McCall. It's Tuesday, March 16th. Got a big show coming up. I'm going to talk about what I came across this weekend. And to me, it could be one of the greatest investment opportunities of this year. I'm going to talk stocks. I mean, I'm listing all kinds for you. Also, Bitcoin breaking out to a new all-time high. And the market, the tech stocks are really bouncing back. And we're going to take your questions. All this and more coming up right now on Moneyline. Starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. Again, this is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me here on a Tuesday. It is March 16th. Just when you thought spring was here, I was able to wear a t-shirt. Now I just ran out to get my second half calf. I'm down to half caffeine now because I've been in the office since 6 a.m. and I'm dragging a little bit. Um, and it's cold out there. I'd wear this with a jacket on top of it. Head in New York City tomorrow. Uh, for about four or five days, see some friends, do some business. And man, oh man, it's supposed to be cold on St. Patty's Day. Uh, wind, rain, not looking good, but I guess that's why they have uh, Jameson and uh, Guinness to warm you up. But let's get into the market. And real quick about today's show, I'm going to talk about the market here. Uh, I'm going to talk about, obviously, Bitcoin breaking out this weekend, where it's at right now. And then I'm going to lead into a story over this weekend. And it's going to talk about just things I always look for as far as investing and just kind of using what you know and what you see. And what I saw this weekend, I kind of knew it, but it really opened my eyes to the investment opportunity that lays in front of us right now. Not something that we have to wait a few months for. I'm talking about right now. And I have a list right here of about eight stocks that I'm going to talk about that fit into this investment theme. So you got to stay tuned for that. But before we do that, let's talk about the markets right now. It is, uh, what time is it? It's about 10.30 East Coast time. I think that's right. Yeah, 11.30. Sorry, I forgot to change my watch. 11.30 East Coast time. We have the S&P up about a quarter percent right now. This is a SPY's up a point, but it closed yesterday at an all-time high. So again, today up a quarter percent to an all-time high. Not much I could be said about that other than an all-time high. Now let's take a look at the Qs, the NASDAQ 100. That's up 1.6% today. Remember, just last week, we entered correction territory. We were down about 11.5% on the NASDAQ 100. We've since bounced back. This would be the best close in about two and a half weeks. Man, and, and I talked about this. Remember I showed you the chart. When you have the fastest uh, corrections, all of them are 21 days or less, so three weeks or less, going back to 1980 in the NASDAQ composite, typically, one month, three months, six months, and one year later, it's much higher. As a matter of fact, the median gain one year after a very fast correction is 32.9%, the mean gain. And 91% of the time, the market's up in general. I mean, that was great. And I was telling you that right there, remember? I was saying, don't sell, don't panic, use this to buy. And look so far. I mean, a hero's not made in a week and a half, but I'm telling you, those are times to be buying stocks that got beaten up right there. I'm going through our early stage investor um, newsletter. It goes out tomorrow after the bell. And a lot of our stocks got beaten up in the last month because they're tech stocks. I mean, there's some stocks that were up several hundred percent that fell 40%. My God, I mean, nothing's changed with the business model of some of these companies. And a lot of them bounced back dramatically already. So it's something to keep an eye on when you see these types of pullbacks that are so sharp for no real reason. And I'm going to go to this chart, which I showed you the other day. And uh, 
Here you can see, this again is a yield on the 10-year. The 10-year yield right now, I'm going to pull it up right now so it's, it's up to date, is 1.59%. So let's call it 1.6. This is as of earlier, it's 1.62. But remember, everybody's freaking out because interest rates are going higher. The yield on the 10-year treasury is spiking. Let's take things into perspective here for a moment, folks. Let's go back here to the beginning of 2020. We had interest rates in a 10-year up around 1.718, above where we were now. But nobody was freaking out then. The market kept rallying to new to all-time highs in February. There wasn't even mention of interest rates at that point. If anything, do you remember a year and a half ago, inverted yield curve? It was a big thing CNBC was scaring the heck out of you. Where's that now? Non-existent. And again, at that time, I was telling you, don't let that get to you. But look, we're actually lower on the 10-year than we were the beginning of 2020, stock market, yes, is higher. But the reason people are freaking out, because we hit a low. We hit a low for the yield on a 10-year during a pandemic, during their worst global shutdown in a century. So that makes sense that we get back to normal. Who cares it came up fast? Who cares that 1.6%? Historically speaking, it's so darn low. So please, folks, don't let this 10-year talk get you all in a, in, in a frenzy. It just doesn't make sense. So another thing with the market that I skipped over, I'm going to go back to another chart and show you this one. Over 25, uh, or sorry, over 20% of the, uh, the S&P hit a 52-week high last week. Over 20%, one in five. And we have the overall index at an all-time high as of right now. This is actually good. A lot of people say, uh-oh, it's time to get out. Things are too good. This is kind of tough to read, but what I'm going to explain to you here is the three months return after 20% of the S&P, it's a 52-week high, is this red right here. This is going back to 1926. So you're going back 95 years. This gray shaded area is the standard three-month return going back to 1926. So as you can see, it's way over. The distribution is right around three-month return, about four and a quarter percent versus about two and a quarter percent. That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's in three months. So what this tells me is new highs beget new highs. Buying begets buying. This is good when things are breaking out. It's actually very good news. So again, don't let the media tell you, oh, things ran too much. You got to get out. That is just not the truth, folks. All right, now let's get back to our charts. And I wanna show you really quick, one more time on this 10-year, just to give you an idea. Look at this. At 1.6%, folks, but again, look where we were historically. This is going back to 96. We're up at 7%. Historically, we're still so darn low. Don't let the media freak you out over something that should not be freaking anybody out. All right, so let's talk about kind of my weekend. Uh, but before we get there, you know, I've talked about my uh, proximity trade, um, my great grand reopening trade. Uh, and when I say trade, I mean long-term investment, but trade sounds better. So this past weekend, about 2.5 million passengers went through TSA. That's the best level that we have seen since the pandemic. Friday alone, we had 1.4 million people go through TSA checkpoints. That's good. People are starting to fly. But keep in mind, we're still well below where we should be means we still have a long way to go, but the trend is our friend. The trend is in our favor right now.
So this weekend, um, pretty interesting because I had to run some errands and do some things. Let me back up to Thursday. On the way into work on Thursday, I stopped at my local Dunkin' Donuts, um, grabbed a Dunkin', and I ordered pre, pre-ordered on my phone, and usually walk in there. I'd wait almost 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Because it was mobbed. Then Friday, we came to the one over here by work. Same thing. Mobbed. I had to wait for a pre-ordered coffee. Just a coffee. No food, no donuts, nothing. Just a coffee. A very easy coffee. Not a cappuccino or anything fancy. Because it was mobbed. That's something I haven't seen since before the pandemic started. Before the global shutdown began. That means people are getting back to work. They're getting up early again. Getting out of bed. Doing things. And what I noticed there, both times, people getting boxes, dozens of donuts. If you're running out to grab a coffee to go back and work from home, you're not getting a dozen donuts. At least I hope you're not, unless you get like 15 kids. You're probably not getting that. That is for a work environment. So I saw that two days in a row, and I've seen it even this week too. Busier and busier. That's a good sign. People getting back into the office, getting back to work. So to Duncan. And Duncan's now a private trade company, so you can't invest in it. So this weekend, I have to run some errands. And I had to run to the mall here in Tavazan, which is just north of the city in Baltimore. I've never been there. So pull in, and I couldn't find a parking spot. I drove on for 15 freaking minutes. Finally went to the, like the third, fourth level to find a spot. And it's kind of cool. There's sensors. It tells you how many spots are available. Every time it's like one, I pull down, somebody else got it. There's one here, pull down, somebody else got it. It was like the week of Christmas. I walk into the mall and it was again, it was a scene that I was not prepared for. People everywhere walking around the mall. Lines at stores, several stores, lines outside the door because you don't have so many people in there, but truly lines outside the door. I mean, that is telling me something, that this pent-up demand for goods to get out and do anything that I've been talking about for months is finally here. This great, grand reopening is upon us. Then driving back, the highway was like a busy weekend where everybody's going to the shore. It was packed. People were out and about. Sure, it was one of the nicer weekends uh, we've had in a while, but it's not that. You could see it in people's eyes. You could see it in people's faces. And the most important thing I saw walking around that mall were bags in hand. Not just kids walking around, starting trouble, but bags in hand. People were spending money. And the one store that I went into, I'd wait in line 15 minutes to, to buy what I wanted to buy. Unbelievable. I was in Nordstrom buying shirts for Nicaragua. Unbelievable. So to me, that leads me to the fact that we have to look at some retailers. I know this isn't the fun growth story you like to hear about all the time. And don't worry, when I get to ask Matt, we're talking about blockchain and crypto stocks. So you want to stay tuned for that if retail bores you. Just fast forward me. But you don't want to miss this, honestly. Now, let's go through these stocks. I came through with a basket of somewhat different stocks, but retail stocks I think could do well. And the first one is uh, ADR. It trades here. It's a Spanish company. Uh, IDEX, I-D-E-X-Y is a symbol. 
You can see in a chart here, it's had a nice run as of late, and I can zoom out longer term. Hasn't done as much longer term, but it's, it's about to break out here. Uh, it just did break out, I'm sorry, on, on the daily chart here. This is known, it's, uh, it's for, for Zara, Z-A-R-A. Uh, they own Zara, so you know those stores are here. They're everywhere in Europe. They also own uh, Bershka, Zara Home, uh, and a company and a retailer by the name of Oisho, which is only in Europe, but I will tell you, it is one of the hottest stores over there. Every time I go over, I see that store and it's packed. Packed, packed, packed. Oisho is always mobbed. And it's kind of like sleepwear and stuff for women. Um, but man, it is always packed. And these are the types of stores. You know, we're looking for US, obviously. But Zara here, Bershka here, is a type of store where you will spend your stimulus money, spend your extra money to your checking and savings account. So that's one to me you want to keep an eye on. Um, it's about a $112 billion company. So it is a big company. Uh, revenues growth in the next couple of years, these are all annual numbers, about 10%. Earnings growth, 29%. So you like to see that. And again, nice chart, breakout, consolidate around that 17 and change. It looks pretty damn good. Let's stay overseas here for a minute. And we're going to take a look at uh, H&M. Basically, you know, everybody knows what H&M is. Symbols H-N-N-M-Y. Again, look at this great chart. This was down around buck ninety in March, now up to about five twenty. You zoom in at longer term, it's broken recently. This long, long downtrend chart here, as you can see. I mean, this downtrend line goes all the way down and it's just broken out. I mean, that is a nice, nice breakout. This is a stock that could really run. Um, H&M, about a $42.7 billion company. They have about 5,000 stores, folks. Uh, it's based in Sweden. Um, it's in 74 different markets. It's in 51 different online markets. That means like America, Europe, Asia, Africa, all these different markets. Um, revenues expected to grow 6.2%. But again, bottom line earnings expected to grow 32.5% in the coming years. Love to see that. This is one to keep an eye on. Again, here in the U.S., this type of store, the H&M for the younger people, they get their stimulus checks, they have some money saved up. You go out, this is where they're going. They're probably not the younger crowd going to Saks or Neiman's or even Nordstrom's. They're going to more, more stores like this, a little bit more uh, accessible to the Gen X uh, millennial um, demographic. Uh, you know, kind of in line with that is, uh, is Burlington, uh, B-U-R-L. This is uh, based here in the States. Uh, very similar chart. A lot of these are breaking out. They might have to pull back a little bit, but Burlington's about a $21 billion company. Uh, their revenue is expected to be about 13.3% annually with bottom line revenue up 41.7. Uh, that's extremely impressive. Uh, P.E. ratio about 34. Price of sales 2.3. Uh, again, if I zoom out a bit longer term, look at the chart on this. Man, oh man, back, back to where it was pre-pandemic. You know, pre-pandemic was around 250 bucks a share. Now it's at 308. Uh, to me, maybe a little pullback, fill that gap around 275. But um, man, this uh, Burlington, again, it's a type of store that you're going to see uh, the crowd that's spending right now, the crowd that I saw at the mall this weekend, it's where you're going to see them go. Uh, another one is a store that I absolutely love, uh, and this is Aritzia. And this trades in Toronto under the symbol ATZ. Also trades here in the States as an ADR and on a, on a, um, over the counter. But Aritzia is about a $2.7 billion company. What I love about this is Revenue, 26% annual growth. That is huge revenue growth. Bottom line growth going forward next couple years, 194%. P-E ratio of 21, price of sales 2.4. This, as many people know, is a, 
a retailer that I've had in the portfolio for subscribers and just hit an all-time high last week. And man, oh man, it still looks great. This, you know how I found this, folks? And people say, well, how do you come up with these stocks? And, you know, well, my advisor, he, he, and, he and she, they run all these algorithms. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care what the hell they do. I've found this because I go to Canada often, obviously not since the pandemic, but I have a lot of conferences there, a lot of work up there, and Toronto is one of my favorite cities. I'd go there and I'd walk by this one mall that had a Ritzy in it, and it was always packed. So I walked in one day, and it's, it's a woman's store, so they kind of looked at me funny, but I just walked in and started talking to them. Then I realized, oh, there's actually one uh, in New York City uh, at, the, uh, at Hudson Yards. Oh, there's a big one in Chicago. Their online presence is huge. I was in Nicaragua just a couple months ago, and the, the girl there that I met, she lives in Vancouver, Canadian. It's her favorite store. This store is popping, but you know we've had it for quite some time now. We have a big gain on it, hitting a new all-time high last week. But I found that by doing good old-fashioned detective research. Boots on the ground, using my eyes to see what's going on and following that investment theme. Very similar to what Peter Lynch always talked about back in the day. Invest in what you know. Of course, after that, I had to do my fundamentals and look at the chart and make sure the company fit in everything I wanted and had growth, which it did. It met everything that I just talked about and is why we bought it. So this is just a great example of using your eyes. And I saw it this weekend, and that's why I'm sharing this with you. I'm sharing a little more. I didn't see an Aritzia. There wasn't one there, but I'm just sharing these other ideas with you. Um, speaking of what I did see, I saw Nordstrom. And look at Nordstrom rallying, uh, man, Friday and Monday of this week. It's down a little bit today, but this stock has gone from $12.45 just in the last couple of months. Uh, you zoom out and it's been in a downtrend, but I, I think that we could be having a bit of a turnaround here. You know, Nordstrom's about a $7.2 billion company. Uh, revenue 9%, bottom line though, 70.6% annual growth in the next couple of years. Man, it's something you got to keep an eye on uh, going forward. I mean, just because uh, this is where you're going to see people spending money. Uh, one more, then I'm going to get into what I consider my favorite one right now. This is Five Below, and this is a, a, a company about $11 billion, really a nice base up here. Man, if it breaks above that 200 level, it's going to take off. Uh, five Below, revenue 21%, earnings 36.4% growth, both great numbers. A little bit pricier, PE ratio of 39, price to sales 3.6, but again, bigger growth, so you can see why. Again, I zoom out, and man, they're back to pre-pandemic levels, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop. Again, New highs begets new highs, folks. There's a reason that they're doing this. Just think about all the sales that are coming ways to a company like this. And then the last one is one where I saw the line around the outside of it. And I thought to myself weeks ago, Foot Locker is a great play on the grand reopening because you think about it. Sneakers are something people want to get back out new sneakers. It's getting nicer out, so you need to get some new sneakers because you get into the spring and summer weather. Um, Sporting events, more sports going on. Kids need cleats. Got to get out there. Foot Locker. They have all types of apparel. It's higher end shoes, lower end shoes, uh, middle of the road. So it's got a little bit of everything for everybody. It really fits all demographics. Um, and then I take a look at the numbers. About a $6.1 billion company. Uh, revenue is only growing 3% top line going forward. Earnings 12%. But it trades at a PE ratio of 11.5 and price to sales of 0.74. Very cheap. And I like the action I'm seeing in it, and it has a ways to go. Even just think the back to where it was pre-pandemic, it's got to get back to 70, uh, which from here is about a 25% return. But if we get back to the other highs, man, oh man, it's got a hell of a return from here, up, up 50% potential. 
And I think it does. I think Foot Locker is a really great turnaround story uh, that we're seeing right now. And I think that they're going to do really, really well uh, in the coming months here. So that is one uh, that I definitely would be putting on my watch list if retail is up your alley. Again, just to recap, this is investing I've seen with my eyes. It goes into my brain. I think about how I can make money off it. It's how I live my life. My brain does not shut off, unfortunately. Um, so this type of investment theme isn't sitting down crunching numbers. It's truly looking around you and seeing where people are spending and knowing that the stimulus checks are coming. A lot of people are getting $1,400. That's going to unfortunately not go into savings for a lot of people. It's going to go into the economy, uh, which is good for the economy, but some people should be saving on top of the fact that checking accounts and savings accounts are already at all-time highs. Checking accounts have more than doubled in the last 14 months here in the United States. We're flush with cash, and it's going to be spent. The consumer's two-thirds of the economy here in America, and they're going to spend at places like Foot Locker. So do not ignore these companies. Even though retail may not be exciting to you, it's not about excitement, folks. It's about making damn money. All right, so let's move on a little bit here to, uh, to the Ask Matt. And, and for the, what I did was I asked on Twitter, asked me some questions, but I kept getting like the same questions about different cryptos, Bitcoin. So let's talk about Bitcoin for a moment. Then I'm going to talk about a couple crypto-related stocks because I think that's important because a lot of people have been asking about that. And, you know, we give the people what they want. So over the weekend, Bitcoin rallied through 60,000 to 61 and change. And then we had some uh, news that India might ban cryptocurrencies. I think it's a bunch of BS. I, I, don't, I think it's a non-event, honestly. But it gave people reason to take some profits up around 61000 We now have Bitcoin at 55.6. My Bitcoin analyst, Q, is one of the smartest men I've ever met. He was actually my first boss uh, at a college at Charles Schwab, now works with us. He, he sent us something this weekend when it was at 61. And uh, he said, I, I'm looking for a pullback here. And nothing to do with India. Uh, but if we want much higher prices, he said, we said, we need a pullback to probably 52, 53. And I'm pretty sure we came down to 52, 53 in the last 24 hours. Uh, I am sure, actually. So right down to that level, we can't go straight up. We're still in a beautiful uptrend when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, we're still holding the uptrend line. And it's just those pullbacks happen quicker. And it happened pretty quick after hitting that high. So to me, again, another great buying opportunity here. Uh, and I still think triple digits are very attainable by, by the end of the year, within 12 months at the latest. And again, if you're buying at 55, you're going to 100, that's 45, that's a pretty nice profit. Um, you know, you're looking at what, 90%, 85, 90% on the upside. Yeah, sure, it's not the buy at 500 to 55,000 gain, uh, but I still think it's simple supply and demand, folks. You know, 90%, 89, 90% of Bitcoin has already been mined. Uh, the next 10%, 11% will be mined over the next 100 years. So there's not a lot of, of, of supply increasing. Of the about 19 million that are out there, uh, there's only going to be 21 million total. Of the 19 million Bitcoins that are out there, about 4 million have been verified to be lost, gone forever. So you're down to about 15 million, with the, with the max then being 17 million. Just think about that. If somebody wants one Bitcoin, which is now 55,000, uh, that's only giving 17 million people the opportunity. And don't, don't get me wrong, not everybody owns a full Bitcoin, you own fractions. Uh, but think about how many very rich people there are out there in the world. Not this is an American play, this is a global play. Think about how many institutions and hedge funds uh, want to get into it. Companies like, like Tesla, um, MicroStrategies want to get into it. And how many companies in the future will. That means demand is going like this, supply is stagnant, 
that is a recipe for much, much higher prices. It's simple supply and demand. You don't have to overthink this. It is supply and demand. When it comes to altcoins, it's the future of software. These altcoins are building the software, the technologies of the futures. Very similar to the software we saw in the 80s and 90s. This time around, it was the 1990s were one of the hottest decades for tech. Roaring 2020s, that tech, that software will be the altcoins. That blockchain, that altcoin that this is being built on. So keep that in mind. All right, so let's take some questions on, uh, on this. And um, I've had a few on, on a couple. Uh, EQOS is, is one. And uh, this was a SPAC, and then it, it, it got hit, but it merged with uh, Diginex, EQOS. I have a couple clients that have it. It's, it's in one of our portfolios, too. Um, it ran up to 22, pulled back. Ran up to 22 again, pulled back. It's at 13 right now. It's not getting much play, um, but but it's a financial services company. Obviously, it's it's in the digital assets um, uh, space, based in Singapore. But what's amazing about this is the market cap is only about five hundred million. Um, its fiscal year ends March of uh, every year, so this year uh, fiscal twenty twenty one is me ending in about two weeks. Uh, the pr- the prediction is about seven point seven million in sales, so very low. However. By fiscal year 2024, which is only three years, will be ending in three years from the end of this month, uh, revenue estimates are then $300 million. For a company that's only trading at a value of $500 million, that makes as cheap as all hell. And then you look at earnings per share estimate for this fiscal year, $0.30 cents for a $13 stock, then $0.45 cents in 2022. That's 50% gain. By 2023... The one estimate has it at $2.50 a share. If that's true, it's trading about 40 times earnings, in my opinion. That's $100. So this could be somewhat of a 10-bagger from here in the next four or five years. Uh, Again, a lot of it has to do with the way cryptos trade in the next couple of years, but I'm bullish on that. And I think this could be a huge winner. I love the support down here at 11 too. Um, Again, we have some exposure to it, so I don't want to, you know, no buy or sell recommendations, but man, oh man, looks good. A lot of people ask about this, and I have to get this out of the way because like the same person asked 40 freaking times. Um, big digital assets, BBKCF. It's had a hell of a run um, from pennies up to a buck 70, back down to a buck 46. It's about a $200 million company. It's a software play on crypto as well as a brokerage. It owns uh, Netcoins, um, a Canadian play. Uh, I do have some ties to the guy who runs the brokerage side. Uh, a guy that I met in Nicaragua is actually friends with the guy, and so he's going to hook me up, and I'm going to talk to him uh, hopefully in the next week or two and, and find out more about the company. But I, you know, I can't recommend a company that's gone up that much or even give, it, give too much props to it because, again, $200 million companies run that much. It could pull back to $0.80 cents and still look good. But again, I'll do my due diligence. I'm going to talk to one of the guys, uh, execs at the company, and I'll let you know what I find out uh, from there. Again, this is boots on the ground research. Your normal, your normal people are not going to do this for you. Um, a lot of people are asking about the Coinbase IPO. I'm sorry, folks. The average person's not going to be able to get into it. So don't even try. I hate to say it. But uh, once it does go public and starts trading, never, I, I never recommend buying an a IPO right when it goes public because a lot of times it's so volatile. And there's almost, I'd say, 90% of the time you have some type of pullback in the next two months. Uh, a big company went public recently is Roblox, RBLX. This one's actually up today, 7%. But as you can see, it started trading around 64 and a half last week, ran up to 75, back down to 61, now it's at 77. 
this is all over the place. This is this is Ganley trying to buy it here. I think we probably at some point pull back in the low 60s, if not 50s, maybe give it a shot there. I just wouldn't chase it at this point right here. And that's how I treat all IPOs. If I miss it, I miss it. But I'm telling you, most IPOs have that type of pullback. And it's what we call the J curve. It comes down like a J then takes off. You'll be buying on that curve on the way back up. Uh, VIH is a SPAC that will be merging uh, with BACT. B-A-K-K-T, which I've talked about this in the past, uh, and this is a spinoff of um, uh, Intercontinental Exchange. So uh, it was founded in 2018, so it's pretty new, but it's going to be really the institution of retail solutions for digital assets of the Intercontinental Exchange, but they're spinning it off. Um, the, the value right here at around 15 bucks is probably around $4 billion, so not that high. And what's amazing about it is this year, their estimated revenue about $889 million. So it's only trading about five times this year's revenue, which isn't bad for a high growth company. By 2025, the estimates, again, these are estimates, uh, about 6.6 billion in revenue. You're trading at 4 billion right now. If that's true, this is a multi-bagger as well. And the fact that it was started by ICE, the Intercontinental Exchange, uh, it's, it's got a lot of ties to a lot, of, a lot of big players in the market. It's got the backing of, of such a well-respected company such as Intercontinental Exchange. Um, I, I, I love this, and I own some myself. <laughs> so full disclosure, I own some of VIH, VIH uh, for myself. Another one that recently went public that really didn't get much fanfare because SPACs are kind of out of favor right now. Uh, this is GoodWorks Acquisition Corp, GWAC. And uh, they, they announced that they're going to be merging with Cypher Mining, C-I-P-H-E-R. Uh, it's an established uh, Bitcoin mining company uh, that's looking to expand and strengthen the Bitcoin infrastructure. At this price right here, it's valued at about $3 billion or so. And um, this year, looking for uh, very small earning, uh, sorry, revenue of six million. But again, by 2025, looking for over one billion uh, in in sales. So huge growth potential. But again, even on paper, I think back looks a little better. But this is one to keep an eye on. I'll do a little bit of a deeper dive. But you know, I think a month or two ago, this thing would have shot up to 15 or 16 bucks. But because spacs are out of favor, we didn't see a big move up in, in this one here. So. That's where I'm going to leave it. But, you know, going back to just kind of where we are right now with the market, uh, pulling back a little bit, we're still at 1.4% here in the NASDAQ and the Qs. Things look good. And, and I think people continue to fight the fact that the market looks good right now. You want to buy dips. I've been buying dips for clients at Penn Financial Group. Um, and, and I think it's not risky to be buying dips if you're long-term investors. Uh, a lot of the stocks we're looking at have just gotten crushed and pulled back. You know, I'm, I'm going to pull up one that, that we have in the newsletter, but CRISPR, which is the leader in CRISPR technology, which is uh, gene therapy, genomic editing, uh, gene editing. You know, at Rally, it had a huge run. It went up like 150% in a matter of two months, and it then pulled back and lost about half its value. I mean, nothing's changed in the fact that, in my opinion, CRISPR and gene editing are part of the future of healthcare. And if that's true, this company is worth so much more than this, 10 times this, if not more, because it starts saving lives. It already has saved people's lives from sickle cell disease, literally eradicated the disease in people, eradicated it. First cure ever. Not a treatment, but a cure. Think about how many other, <coughs> excuse me, diseases there are out there where one change of one genome can save people's lives. So CRISPR to me, 
not telling you to buy it here, but my God, when it loses half its value, it's on sale. People are buying it here saying, I got you, I'm gonna miss it, I miss out. And when it comes down here, the same person says, holy smokes, no, I can't, I can't buy it here. No, this is when you're supposed to buy it. Could it fall to 80? I don't know. It could hit 50, I don't know, but I still think that this stock could be multiples higher in the next five to 10 years. And if you're a long-term investor, these are the types of pullbacks that make you a successful investor. I just pulled this out because I was looking at the chart before we started, and I thought it was a great example of how these stocks have gotten hit and how it's tough to ride through that. But I will show you that a stock like this takes a lot of hits, like that. These are same percentage pullbacks right here, folks. Boom, boom, and this is just in the last three years. It happens. So be prepared when those pullbacks happen, be ready. Be standing there ready to buy. I'm telling you, it's one of the keys to becoming a successful long-term investor. Not chasing highs, but buying when everybody else is running. Even Warren Buffett said it. When there's blood in the streets, that's when you're buying. All right, thank you so much. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment down below. If you have any questions, any good thoughts for a Friday themed, I will be in New York City. So if anybody's in Manhattan in the next four or five days and want to buy me a scotch and talk markets, hit me up. Leave the comments. We'll, we'll get all get together. Maybe we'll get a little meetup together. We'll talk stocks. We'll talk innovation uh, this weekend if I'm around, which I probably will be around in New York doing uh, nothing much other than watching basketball and talking stocks. So thank you so much, everybody, for watching. I'm Matt McCall, and that was your Money Line. The Money Line with Matt McCall. Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.